Talk Zone presents presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome once again to the home of Motivation with a Purpose every week, Friday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time right here on TalkZone.com. I'm Rich Alstrom, and once again, right by my side, my faithful companion, Zeke Bambolo, and today we're going to talk about financial independence in the 21st, 21st century with Dwayne Brunel, and he is our very special guest. Zeke, this should be a great show as we get into the financial ball game. Rich, my buddy, always lovely being here with you on a Friday morning. Uh, it's sunny out, but let me know. I love our listeners. So I've got to, I've got to just say it. Permit me to say what I'm about to say here, but it's funny and it's lovely. I am like a kid in a, what is it, a candy store maybe, or most likely we see when we're in Africa, especially Liberia, when kids gather together to tell each other stories, tales and fables, we say, once upon a time, and everybody else answers, time, and then they, person starts to tell the story. So it's like I have this thing of saying, you know, I know something you don't know, and I'm so excited today to have Dwayne, a good friend of mine on the show, to be able to share with you, with our listeners as well, what great information that can help them for a long time. I'm a, you know, I just say, I'm not only uh, 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 what do you say? Uh, the hair club thing. I'm not. I'm not only a member. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so you are you a see, client, sir. As you can see, I'm excited, and I'm excited to have this conversation. I think it's very relevant. I think it's going to take our listeners to another level. And how best to do it then with you, my friend, and those of our audience, and our special guest, Dwayne Brunel, today. And as always, Zeke, that's what we try to do right here on Motivation with a Purpose every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We want to get you to live and work with purpose, and one way to do that is to be in control of our finances. So as you said, Zeke, today's show, very pertinent. We want to remind everybody at this point in time to stay in touch with the show via Twitter at MWP Radio Man for all the latest guest updates and future news about Motivation with a Purpose, and MWP Radio AM, our Facebook page, and once again right here on TalkZone.com. Now, Zeke, we have a very important undertaking that we are involved in right now besides the show. It's our own little survey to find out how we can help our audience. Tell them about it. Yes, yes, indeed. It has been good to see the, the, the information come through, and we want more. We want more information, please. It's good to know who you are. It's good to see that we're, you know, male or female. What is the breakdown? It's good to see just some things that will let us know exactly what. I mean, this show today with Dwayne Brunel will be as perfect for our audience because you are working people with children. We are hearing some of those thoughts come by. We want to hear more and more, please. So the survey, again, we are trying to give away uh, a copy of my book and some audio content that you will very much enjoy uh, to give us a, a short survey. It's less than two minutes to fill this survey out, and it will tell us deeply who we, who you are and how we can best serve you here. Uh, we're giving away those prizes to the, the 25th, I guess it was the 25th, 250, and is it 15, oh no, 1,000, Rich, you help me, how, who, who uh, are you giving the, the, the prizes to? Yeah, let's see, number 25, number 250, and number 1,000 will win wow, bingo from uh, Motivation with a Purpose, and That's get a copy of your book. 
It's been good. So the service, is not, the, the results are coming in, and we would like more. Please, we would like to very much hear from you all and uh, find out exactly how best we can serve you here at Motivation of the Purpose. Thank you so much, Rich. Our very special guest today, Dwayne Burnell, works with individuals, families, and business owners to develop and implement a customized financial strategy for each one of those situations. His approach is to educate his clients and empower them to signing a lifelong financial strategy which which builds wealth, I'll get it out, while maintaining financial control. Hey, wouldn't we all want that? Uh, Dwayne's focus with respect to retirement planning is to create a financial strategy that will provide flexibility and sustained income. Dwayne wants his clients to enjoy a worry-free retirement. We could all use that, Zeke. And we wait. welcome Dwayne Burnell to the Motivation with a Purpose microphone. Good morning, Dwayne. How are you? Good morning, Rich and Zeke. How are you doing this morning? We are doing great. Dwayne, i got to start off and ask you a, a very simple question. Your latest book is Financial Independence in the 21st Century. What does financial independence in the 21st century look like? You know, that's a very complex question, and, and it looks like, uh, you know, different things for different people. But I think, in general, the similar characteristics is that, you know, what you want in your financial life is that independence in the sense of that you don't have to depend on anybody or anyone and that you're looking at your own decisions and responsibility and accountability, that you're not dependent on the market to get you where you want to go. That, you know, as we go through life, we have enough challenges by raising kids and, you know, taxes and all the work and the economy and all the stresses in life and so forth. So as we move into you know, our, you know, I would say next phase of life, I don't think retirement is anymore. Uh, it's for some people that you retire and, and uh, you get to know the golf course real well, even though, you know, nothing wrong with that. But I don't think it's a full-time profession for most retirees that they have a, a purpose. And therefore, they want independence to do what they want to do without the worry, uh, be it tomorrow or next month or next year, or in future years that they've got to, hey, will I run out of money? Uh, or worry about, hey, if the market goes down, how will this affect me and my style of living and standard of living? Um, so it's that independence that, hey, I can do what I want. You know, people have earned the, you know, aspect to, you know, have a good retirement. And not only retirement, but as we approach retirement, you know, as our kids grow up, we want to, you know, I have a little less worry, you know, about money, and it's a strategy on how to do that. So, you know, it's a, it's a complex question, but we want the flexibility and choices in our in our finances so that we can enjoy our lo- our loved ones, being our kids, or wife, or spouse, or partners, or whoever, and have that wonderful independence. You know, Dwayne, that is so, so, so true. And uh, I have to tell our folks, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them are where I am and I was at one time. But when I met Dwayne a while back, um, it was when the market had just really built up around 2008 or so in that time frame. And literally, for those of our audience who are, we seem to have a lot of working class and working people in our audience, uh, I literally lost up to 75, 80% of my 401k. And I ran up against uh, Dwayne by another friend introducing us, and uh, 
we came up on he 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 told me what he was he gave me a couple of books to read a couple of his books which we'll talk about later but uh and that gave opened my eyes to a lot of things and so my wife and i decided to do some things differently which is what he's just touched on but Dwayne, as we move forward and we'll talk more about how the 401k your views of 401k and how you address those issues but I want you to give our our audience an understanding of why you chose financialballgame.com. Financial ball, there's something about the analogy of financial ball game that you have used in your website and so forth. Can you give us an insight into why that's important? How do you how do you how can that relate to us? Well, that's great, um, Zeke, and um, you know the financial ball game. It's really a, um, you know, the finances in our life is really uh, a baseball game. You know, if we relate it to baseball or uh, a board game, if you will, that there's the rules on the table and, uh, and we just have to play by the rules. We have to understand them. And just like all games, be it a board game, baseball game, football, anything, um, that it's strategy more than the actual moves, the actual moves you know, implement the strategy. And in uh, in baseball, how we, we looked at it as far as the financial side that, you know, we look at innings, if you will, and, and in our early years, we uh, divided a person's life into innings about, you know, five-year increments in the sense of, you know, um, 21 to 25 is your first inning, 26 to 30 is your second inning. And 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 uh, 31 to 35 is a third inning. And then as we moved up in years, that uh, 61 to 65 was, you know, the, the ninth inning. So the goal of the game, the financial ball game, is to get to the ninth inning with the most runs, i.e. dollars, and then move into extra innings. However, you know, because we're not in charge of our destiny, the good Lord is, that we don't know how many innings we get to play our game. So what we have to do along in our strategy is that, you know, have the most runs we can with the right strategy because we our game could be shorter than others or longer than others. So, and then also in the game, just like baseball, you know, some players don't work out or some investments don't work out. So we have to constantly review you know, the players or investments or financial products that we have in our life and see if they're working for us. And if they're not, then we have to make changes. And if they are working, then, you know, try to enhance those and keep on. We all want, you know, to hit a home run every once in a while. But as you, you know, in the Oakland days, you know, was fascinated by this, and that's where the, the book Moneyball came into play. They looked at players who got on base most frequently. So if we just hit singles, consistent singles, and get runs in the door, you will win the game. And that's kind of like the same with financials, is that if we just consistently save and not lose money, then we will have more money. But, um, you know, it's a great challenge in how to do that, and uh, there's a lot of stresses on our finances, and, and that's the real key is how to make that happen through life uh, so that we have more control, more independence, and we win the game. Well, Dwayne, so what if we meet you when we feel like life, as life progresses, as you have just described, we are in the fifth or sixth inning? Uh, is that drastic for us? It, um, you know, at any point in time that uh, there's been some wonderful comebacks as far as, you know, in uh, just like in baseball, you know, it's a long game. And, 
So even though that in our financial life, what affects our finances? Uh, capital loss, marriages, divorces, uh, extended family situations. So, you know, people usually, you know, in their mid-40s in, in that range, that there's been some history in life. There's been some setbacks, um, some uh, brought on by ourselves, um, some brought on from the uh, world of economics and different situations. It's never too late to get on a plan as far as financial independence. So what I would say to the listeners, there's hope. You can't say, hey, I've made too many mistakes or this has happened to me. Hey, we can, um, you know, just like anything, uh, if we've been beaten down a little bit, um, we can uh, stand up, dust ourselves off, and move forward and uh, on a much steady plan. And, and that's through education, just like what uh, you and Rich do on the show is by education, saying, hey, take a look at uh, what you're doing and, and take responsibility, and you can get there. It's just going to be uh, a little more time. and might have to make some changes that you're unaware of, but um, all for the good. Now, Dwayne, there's one thing that you talk about in particular in your book, the difference between saving and investing. And from the way that you talked about it, a lot of people have some confusion about those two different things. They really are different. But in a lot of ways, they don't change the way that they look at those things and implement them correctly. Could you talk about that a little bit? Hey, Rich, that's a great question. And that's, that's really a, a core uh, as far as, um, oh, I'm getting some, uh, that, that it's a, getting some feedback there, Rich. Are you getting the same thing? Oh, uh, no, I think we've got, you're, you're with us. Uh, all right. Hey, that's good. I was getting some feedback that, the difference between saving and investing, and, and, uh, and uh, it's interesting that um, the financial community interplays those words or changes them in the sentence, and 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 that was evident in uh, you know 2008 2009 when the market took uh, you know a nosedive, and you know that was going around that people's 401ks turned into two on. 201Ks, and that was essentially, hey, I lost half my money. So when I would speak to people at that time, you know, they would come up and, and, and uh, ask me what I do and so forth, and, and they go, hey, I'm really down about my finances because my 401K turned into 201K. And I would say, let me ask you a couple of questions. And they said, sure. And I'd say, you know, um, are you saving for retirement? And they said, absolutely, I'm saving in my 401K. As all the magazines and and TV gurus and everything saying, hey, fill up your 401k. That's your savings for retirement. And then I'd say, let's hold on to that thought. And I said, let's go back uh, to your childhood, you know, the days of, um, you know, and I said, if you had a paper route or you earned some money and, um, you know, what did you do with the money? Typically, a lot of the kids either would put it into a savings account. You know, now I'm dating myself. Remember when you went to the bank and you had actually a savings passbook, it's called. You know, you right. actually had a book and, you know, you got you got that money reported in your your, uh, your account. And the reason you had a savings account is because you didn't want to lose the hard-earned money that you had. So now we move forward. And then I asked, um, you know, the person that's talking to me, I said, now let's look at your 401K that you're saving in. And I said, you know, what is the common financial product being that you have it in? And they pause and think about it for a moment. And I said, you know, and they're kind of confused what a financial product is. And I said, you know, is it in mutual funds typically? And that's and they go, yeah, you know, I've got 
you know, some choices at work and, and uh, a few choices, not that many typically. And that's where I had, you know, my money. I'm going, you know, that's not bad. But in a mutual fund, is that saving or investment? And then they pause again. I've never really thought it in that perspective. I said, you know, when you put your money in a savings account when you're a child, did you fear any loss? And they went, no, because my savings cannot lose money. I said, well, now let's look at your 401k. You're saving in mutual funds. Is that really saving? And then all of a sudden you, you can see the gears working and the light goes on. You know, I'm not saving in my 401k. I'm investing in my 401k. And we're not saying, you know, that's bad, but there is a significant difference. And what occurred in 2000, you know, seven, eight, nine, is that people lost money in their 401k because they weren't, were not saving. They are investing in their retirement. And people go, well, I don't want to do that. I want to save for retirement. And so it really triggered that what they're doing is really not what they would like to do, but the financial community uses the language of saving for retirement, but really you're investing. And that is, you know, there's some great gains to be made by investing, but then you're open to loss, and that's what we experienced. In a, and depending on your age, if you're just retiring in 2008, that your retirement picture looked significantly different because it's an investment, not saving. So when people understand that, they go, wow, I never thought of it in that perspective. And then they're confused why the financial community uses that language. And we all know that the financial community, being at Wall Street, wants you to invest in the market so that uh, they can earn fees and hopefully, you know, you will do well. But you know, that there's a big difference between saving and investing, and that's where education comes from and let the client come to their own conclusion, and so that's what I find, and that's really uh, woken some people up, and they're making some different decisions so that they don't have to fear that their retirement savings is at loss, at, you know, potential loss. Yeah, yeah. Dwayne, we've got about a minute before break here. I, I want to add one more thing. Have you just take us, well, tell us a little bit about it before we go to break. But when I, part of what I was doing is you say that what the next step is I was fighting hard to create a 529 plan for my children's college tuition. And at that time when I met you, for example, we had that, that 529 had less money in it than I, my wife and I have put into, to invest. And so now that we're talking about retirement, we're also talking about our children's college tuition for our college planning, where now we can have a program that is more descriptive and when we come back from break you will tell us more about your book and so forth and your strategies but that's also centered around preparing with a 529 plan and other things out there for college college planning isn't it absolutely a 529 plan again there's no bad financial product and and 529 is a wonderful tool but there again with all financial products are some pros and cons, and, and we'll talk about that after the break, and I think that's going to be interested uh, with a lot of listeners out there, and we'll get to the 529 after the break, and that's a great uh, point to bring up. Thanks, Zeke. More with Dwayne Brunel on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose right after this timeout. listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. 
Yes, yes, indeed. And a sunny, sunny Friday morning here in the uh, Northwest. We are on Motivation with a Purpose Radio here on TalkZone.com with our very, very special guest, Dwayne Burnell, talking about financial planning for the FinancialBallGame.com. FinancialBallGame.com is his website. Dwayne, as we went to break, we're just talking a little bit about the 529 plan. And one of the things that we like our audience to know is that you are indeed a certified college planning specialist. So as we break into this discussion on the 529 plan and serve my situation, as I described earlier, my concern, tell us, what should we know? How do we, how do we counter this situation in planning for our children's future collegiately? Oh, you know, that's, a, again, a complex question. College costs have just gone skyrocketing over the last decade. And, um, like, here we're in, uh, you know, on the Pacific Coast and the uh, University of Washington. Uh, for example, if you're living at home, uh, college costs are rated as cost of attendance. And if you're living at home to go to the University of Washington, that's tuition, you know, food, transportation, all the expenses. That's why it's called cost of attendance is just under 20000 a year. And uh, so if you're looking at four years, but statistics have, are now coming out that most, a lot of students are going five years, you're looking at $100,000 to go to the University of Washington over five years. Now, I'd say that, uh, you know, it's a great school, and there's other colleges that are uh, more expensive and, and community colleges less expensive, but it's a big ticket. And, um, and if you think about college, if you've got two children and you're going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars, most people have a $200,000 mortgage and they take 30 years to pay off. So it's a big, it's a big, big cost that really has to be fit in with strategy versus, you know, how do I save? And, and you brought, as we went to the break, a 529. Now, what is a 529? We hear those, that number, you know, where does that come from? And I'm always curious as, you know, how do these names come, uh, come to play? So, Really, the 529 is the applicable section of the federal tax code, section 529, just like the 401k is section 401, section K of the tax code. So just, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of trivia for folks. And, and a lot of recommendations around a 529, again, I always say to clients, there's never a bad product, but we just have to understand the characteristics of that product, and then you decide as the client which way you want to go now that you have the full amount of information. And with a 529, you know, think about a 529. You ha- It's under the tax code. It has a tax advantage, which is a, an attractive feature, um, but there are some drawbacks and um, because there's, there's never a um, utopia for one uh, particular uh, financial product that uh, with a 529 you are restricted to use those funds for only education. Now, since you put money into a 529, that's a government plan. So think about that: the government controls the envelope and the flap on the envelope on how you access that money. That you can only access that money for one purpose, and that's education. You know. And then that also raises the question, well, once you put that money into a 529, that's the vehicle, now you have to place it in a financial product. So typically what, as I speak to clients all around the country, that um, they purchase mutual funds. 
again, we're back to that saving versus investing. Parents want to save for their education, but the vehicle they're using is a 529, which is all right. But then the product they use inside the 529 are mutual funds typically. And are mutual funds saving or investing? They're investments. So my question to the readers are that is your 529 plan a college savings account or investment plan? And, you know, back in uh, 2008, uh, Jane Kim from the Wall Street Journal highlighted some flaws in the 529 plan because it's in the stock market. And Greg Brown, a mutual fund analyst for Morningstar, notes that the most popular 529 options had too much exposure to the market for uh, a child nearing their college age. It was just too aggressive. So, it, you know, the, the, the listeners out there really have to understand that regardless of what the account or the vehicle is called, how much risk do you have? Is it saving versus investing? So it comes down to those core values, Rich, what we talked about before break. So it's very important to understand because the last thing you want to do is, you know, as the child approaches 16, we have a daughter that's uh, going to be 15 here next, uh, next month. And the last thing I want to do is have that money exposed to the market um, just when she's going to college and we lose a lot of the value just what uh, happened. So um, it, it's very important to understand. And, again, that's the education. That's why I love both of you guys as far as because you're pro-education and let the, your readers decide and really open up their eyes to different possibilities. Well, Dwayne, as we continue down this track of financial products, in your book you talk about um, whole – you talk about life insurance and how that can be used as a financial tool. Uh, talk about how whole life insurance can be used as, a, as another one of the financial tools to help build that portfolio in the right way. Yes. Uh, thanks very much, Rich. In looking at, you know, all the different financial products out there, you know, and there's thousands, if you will, you know, from the safety of a checking account all the way to being exposed, you know, buying individual stocks and mutual funds and and all kinds of, of, uh, you know, notwithstanding real estate. So there's all kinds of choices to put your money in. And so when you look at the characteristics, none of those things are bad. Um, And then it's up to the individual person, family to decide, you know, the characteristics and understand the characteristics, pros and cons of each one of those financial products and what fits to them. So, in looking at the strategy of how they want to, uh, you know, move in their financial world, their financial independence, then we have to decide the strategy they need and then fit the financial product to fit the strategy. Most often, uh, you know, a lot of people buy certain financial products that are proposed to them that they're going to do great things and so forth, but there's no real coordinated strategy. As a colleague of mine says, they have a Typically, people have a junk drawer of financial products. They have a little of this, a little of that, and they open it up, and it's not working together. There's more risk uh, exposure than they thought they, uh, the client had. And so we really need a strategy so that all the financial products work in concert, taking into consideration risk, tax effect, and values in life and their own philosophy. And so then... When we look at the whole financial spectrum, 
the insurance world is one of the most underutilized and misunderstood financial arenas out there. And the reason is because the financial community competes for the money. Either the money goes into the financial community, be it investments, or the money gets put into the insurance world. And uh, there's a lot of mis misunderstanding about that. And in my book, I, I bring up the point that whole life insurance um, has been around for a very long time, 150 years, 200 years, and it was the primary vehicle for people to save money because it has such wonderful attributes that it has, you know, tax-deferred growth. It has tax-free distribution if done correctly. It has a competitive rate of return. It has high contributions. It has collateral opportunities, safe harbor, meaning you can't lose your money, no loss provisions. You have guaranteed loan options out there. Access to credit for self-employed people and so forth is very hard to borrow money. So there's guaranteed loan options that you, you, know, you don't even need a job or a stellar credit rating to get access to money. There's unstructured loan payments and, most of all, liquidity use control. You know, there's a famous quote out there that, um, you know, when we go to the bank, why do we go to the bank for money? It's because it's, it's the money that other people have left there, notwithstanding ourselves. So in you looking at the insurance world, if uh, a person really wants to save and protect the family, a whole life policy, again, as part of their portfolio, can be very attractive if done the right way and so forth. And again, a lot of financial members go, oh, poo-poo the, the insurance world, especially uh, whole life insurance because it takes a long time and misconceptions on high commissions and all kinds of things. Again, those are all, um, in some cases, they're, they're myths but not fact. And in some cases, they're math and, uh, fact and not myths. So you have to get with the right representative that understands that world clearly and can fit it into your portfolio because it is truly saving versus investing. And I think we need a combination for true financial independence. Dwayne, what I hear you saying today so far in our conversation, and let me pose this question to you, is that we need to increase our financial IQ and understand some of these various elements and how they work together. So my question to you this morning is, how do we individually increase our financial and investing and uh, money IQ so that we really understand what to do with our money and what not to do and when? You know, that's a great question, Rich, and, and uh, I get that from uh, a lot of my clients. Again, I, I have clients all over the country. And what I suggest to my clients is to really, you know, think about, take a look at where your money is. You know, for example, Rich, if uh, you become a client and say, you know, Rich, where do you live? Do you live in a house or your rent? You say, I'm in a house. Well, how much risk do you have in the real estate market? Well, my house could, you know, either appreciate or depreciate. All right. And where are you putting your money? And you can say, well, again, I'm uh, putting money into a 401k. Yeah, again, nothing is bad. Let's just evaluate the characteristics. And then I say, you know, Rich, you know, are you saving versus investing? And you go, well, I'm investing. Then we go, how much are you saving for retirement? Then when we really break down the components, you go, it appears to you that you're going, wow, maybe I'm not saving for retirement. I've got 
a lot of investments that are volatile and and exposed to the marketplace that is that what you want that you say well no I'd like some you know aspect of financial world away from the market with safety and liquidity and and some tax benefits then we would look at well what financial products fit those characteristics and then we would go look for those and then fit those into your portfolio so it's a real education with the clients and a conversation. So, you know, we all need financial products. You know, if we put our money, you know, in a mattress, you know, all we get is a lumpy mattress. And then if we put our money in, you know, a coffee can and bury it in the backyard, as we get older, we kind of forget where we buried it. So there's risks either way you go. And so we really need to understand, and that's what I do is educate the client. That's why we've written a couple of books. And, and let them truly understand what they have and then let the client tell me what they want and then we fulfill what they want. Does that make sense there, Rich? That makes perfect sense. Yes, uh, yes, we, we're on point. I mean, I'm, I'm here with you and it does make sense well for us. Um, and I want, as you giving you hopefully some lead to add on to that as well. Uh, again, talking about your book, Financial Independence of the 21st Century, which we want to touch on a little bit and talk some more about your strategy. But one of the things that appealed to me when we talked a long time ago, Dwayne, uh, especially as we talked about, you talked to me, helped me read these books and figure out what strategy we wanted to take, my wife and I. There was even the, the, the context of multi-generational thinking in terms of, you know, what are you looking at, the Rockefellers or the Kennedys? That For people who are our audience who are working class people, a lot of them are, are employed, there's some of those thoughts that come about as well. But what I want you to touch on a little bit is that you used the phrase back then, uh, which you touched on a little bit in your comments just a few minutes ago, about be your own banker. And I think that the conversation a little bit more pointed to what your intent is with the different strategies. Can you can you walk us through that a little bit about understanding being your own banker? What does that mean? You know, it's a, that's a phrase that, um, you know, uh, a wonderful gentleman, Na- Nelson Nash, uh, wrote a book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And what that means, it's a phrase. It, it doesn't mean that you're becoming your own bank like um you know, a brick and mortar, That's uh, there's all kinds of bank charters and regulations about that. What the phrase implies is that you get control of your money, that the financial community has done a wonderful job in having us earn our money and give it to someone else. We don't have the intelligence or the vehicles to, you know, operate with their own money. Therefore, when we earn our money, give our potential investments uh, for retirement in a 401k. We put our savings, you know, for a, a savings account into a bank. And then when we need money, we have to go to the bank and say, hey, uh, I want to borrow, let's say, you know, money for a, a car, you know, because we are conditioned by the financial community to save all we can and give it to them in this qualified plan, meaning that hey, once we put the money in a 401k, we can't touch it for our own good, you know, because we're not disciplined enough to um, save for retirement and use our money, so we can't touch that money, and and therefore we can't access it. So when we need money for a car, we, we have no liquid funds because we've got it in this 401k that we can't touch. So we go to the bank, and then 
we need a, a credit rating, we need, you know, job history and, and, and so forth. And, and then by their, we need a great FICO score and by all those elements that they'll say, hey, we'll lend you some money and this will be the interest rate, which we may or may not agree and the terms that, hey, uh, regardless what happens in your life, that you got to make this payment each and every month. Nothing wrong with that. They're lending some money uh, to you. But you've got all this money, let's say, in this qualified plan, this 401k, qualified meaning that you took the tax deduction to put the money in the vehicle, but you have no access to it. So you don't have access. People don't have access to their own money. So become your own banker. The, the concept is, with your own money, put it in a financial product where you can access it without qualification, meaning you don't have to prove your job history. You don't have to have a FICO score. You don't have to have these qualifications that a normal brick-and-mortar bank has that you can't access your money without penalty, <clears throat> excuse me, and use it for your own purpose and then return the money back to that vehicle just as you would if you borrowed it from a normal financial institution. So essentially, you become your own bank, meaning that you're utilizing the funds, your own funds, but you're also using a financial product in concert with that. And therefore, the phrase become your own banker that you borrow from, you know, your own money and you put your own money back. And that's a simplified version. And a wonderful way to do that is utilizing the insurance world and and people, there's been phenomenal success in doing so. Again, it's that liquid use and control of your money because if you're self-employed out there, you know, it's hard to borrow money. And uh, even for a small amount of money or even get a credit card, um, it's really hard. So having access to your money without qualification is so important. And a lot of clients love that concept and, and more embracing it going, and really thinking about how much access do I have on my money? Again, this is part of the education with clients of asking these questions and really challenging them on how they view money and what they're doing. And it's really a, a great journey that we go down with each and every client. So, and your proposed, you know, Zeke, you're well on your way and using your funds. And it's giving you, again, more of that financial independence that we talked about at the beginning of the year. We will, we will certainly talk about that more in a little bit, a little bit. And I'll be glad to give my own personal testimony at the end of the show as well. But Dwayne, when we, we're about to go to break again here. And I just want to set up our next section of discussion here with this, uh, quote that I, that you, that you have out of your book. I guess it's out of chapter two. And we will usher that comment of this quote here as we move into the discussion of social security in our next segment. Uh, let's see if we can dialogue and just kind of transition here smoothly with that. You, you have here in chapter two, what has really happened since the inception of the 401k and other qualified plans is that investment risk shifted from the employer and has become completely the employee's burden. The employee has exchanged the promise of a company benefit upon retirement for the ability to control his or her investment. All right, so we'll come back there from that uh, viewpoint and talk about the importance and what's happening on Social Security and the scares and fears that we have out there. Again, as we come back, you're listening to more of of the purpose here on TalkZone.com, and our guest today is Dwayne Burnell, an exceptional financial planner who is here to help you, our audience. Let's come back soon from the break. 
It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose on this sunny Friday morning in the Pacific Northwest. I'm Rich Hallstrom along with Zeke Bambolo. Our guest is Dwayne Burnell, author of Financial Independence in the 21st Century. And Dwayne, we were going to talk about Social Security coming back from the break. So that is a big topic on everyone's mind, and everyone has an opinion. So what is yours? Well, Social Security is it's a wonderful program. Um, it's uh, alive and well. You know, it has some uh, has some you know issues that uh, are going to be faced in the future, but it, it's a wonderful program. And and there's uh, it's a big program. It's just not about retirement. It's about disability. It's about uh, survivorship. And right now, uh, as we speak. 10,000 people a day for the next 20 years are, are eligible for Social Security. And what's complex about Social Security is that Social Security employees and representatives are prohibited from giving advice as to when people should take Social Security. And what I mean by that is because they're not advisors, you know, they're all great folks at Social Security and do a super job. But because the issues are very complex with Social Security, and we put on a number of uh, seminars and so forth, and I get a lot of uh, questions on Social Security and how people really decide on the strategy. It all comes back to that financial strategy and education and empowerment, because from age 62 to 70, though that's your age framework as far as when you decide to take Social Security. And there's a bunch of calculators out there that if you're single, you punch in your benefits that you um, uh, obtain from SocialSecurity.gov, SSA.gov, and it's pretty easy that it's all based on when do you think the good Lord is going to take you. If you think you're because of health issues and the like that you're, you know, from 62, you don't think you're going to make it past 70, that maybe you should take your Social Security early. Or if you just need the money, when you take uh, at 62, you know, you need the money and you can take the 62. But if you have flexibility in your financial independence, if you will, then when should you take it? And especially if you're married, how do you integrate your Social Security with your spouse? It depends on your work record. It depends on if you were married before. It depends on if you're single, married. And then it also depends on your life expectancy. Um, that... A lot of people don't know as far as the questions to ask Social Security. And that's where I really help people as far as understanding Social Security and let them know some of the rules. For example, Rich, if you decide at age 63 you start taking Social Security, then six or seven months out into it, you go, hey, I made a big mistake because you've educated yourself more, etc. And you have within that one year to say, hey, Social Security, I want to change my mind. And you have one option in life to do that, one choice. And they'll say, okay, Rich, if you give us all the money back that you we gave to you, we'll put you back at square zero, and then you can make an election whether at 64, 65, or all the way up to age 70. So but when you have a, let's say you're married, and you are the primary worker, if you will, 
And your wife will just say, we'll just be traditionalists at this point in time. And I don't know what traditionalists as time goes on and starts to look like. You know, stay at home with the kids and so forth. So, And maybe didn't have contributed as much to Social Security. So it really matters when you decide to take Social Security because by statistics, unfortunately, uh, males go to the good Lord before females, all things being equal health-wise, that's just statistics, that... Your Social Security check, if if you go to the good Lord early and your record and, and collecting Social Security is higher, significantly higher than your spouse, when you die, then your spouse takes over your uh, retirement benefits from Social Security. And those numbers can be huge. I just worked with a client yesterday, and they really didn't understand I can run some some interesting reports based on Social Security information that you provide me, and it, depending on their age of death and, and the timing, whether the uh, the husband took his Social Security at age 62 or, or at 70 made a difference because we he said, I don't think I'm going to live past 81, So and his wife said, well, I think I'm going to live to 90, so that nine-year difference made... Uh, $350,000 increased payments from Social Security to the spouse, to the widow, and which is a huge financial impact. And so it's really understanding when to take Social Security in relation to your other financial resources. And also, again, working with another client, you know, they're single and they're just turning 62. And I asked the question, were you married before? And the person said, yes, I was married for 14 years. And uh, that person, you know, we've kept in touch and has become successful and so forth. And I said, did you know that because you were married before over 10 years that you have spousal benefits on your ex-spouse? And they went, I had no idea. So that comes into play. So, again, Social Security is very complex, and I think it's really important for your listeners, if they're, I would say, age 57 and beyond, to get together with someone who understands Social Security that can speak to them as far as the right time when to take Social Security in relation to what's else going on in your life. And it can mean hundreds of thousands of dollars to that family. So you've paid into it. It's not an entitlement program. It's yours. Get the most out of your uh, contributions into Social Security. Dwayne, as you say that, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that's remarkable, the different scenarios you just gave us as well. Uh, even more, as you, to add to that, there is the fear, as we know, of uh, the national debt, as well as the continuous government spending that people are afraid, even then, as you speak, that there is not much for Social Security to have. Uh, how can you address that for us? Well, you know, that's a great question that, you know, really... Social Security is a fund, and it's the old age survivors and disability insurance fund. No, it's insurance. You pay into it as, as, you know, it's a deduction off your check, and there's, you know, trillions of dollars in the old age Social Security fund. And as of 2012, there was $2.7 trillion in that fund. Now, it's backed by you know, the uh, the faith of the U.S. government. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, will Social Security be there for me? 
Well, all Social Security has to do, and Congress is wrestling with that, to tweak a few minor things, and Social Security is going to be there for many, many years. Will it be the exact same rules as we have today, Zeke? I don't think so. I think there's going to be some minor tweaks with the rules. Uh, but, again, it's not an entitlement program. You know, for example, in this year of 2013, that you contribute these funds. It's not entitlement that the maximum contribution is based on your, you know, adjusted, your modified adjusted gross income. It's actually line 37 on your 1040 tax form. And you're paying approximately $14,000 a year into Social Security. So it's, it's basically you're putting this money in so that you're going to collect it out in retirement. And so all Congress has to do is make a few tweaks, and, and there's going to be funds for many years. Now, for our children like yours and mine, will Social Security be in the same format and the same way going, you know, in 40, 50 years? I have no idea. The but. With minor tweaks, it'll probably be something a little different, but that's, you know, many years before retirees today that I believe the money is going to be there. There's trillions of dollars. They still have more coming in than paying out. There are some issues with it that, um, you know, some tweaks are going to have to be made, but the money is going to be there. And more importantly, it's money you cannot outlive, and there's a cost of living adjustment built into there. So it's a big program that, again, it's not entitlement, you paid into it, and, and you want to return on investment. Dwayne, what are some few future financial trends that we should be aware of when you take a look at the uh, financial landscape? You know, it's, um, I think there's uh, some really big – uh, we're in a minefield right now. We've got some tremendous um, financial you know, challenges ahead of us. Look at our debt. You know, Zeke brought up the debt. You know, it's $15, $16 trillion, probably more, trillion dollars. Um, that's a lot of money that, you know, basically is a credit card that has to be paid back. And those numbers have been escalated in in the last few years. Um, we didn't used to have that debt. So how we're going to manage that debt going forward is, uh, is a real concern. We have Medicare uh, is a big concern. What's not talked about also is the pensions from military, you know, that's a big number as well um, that's coming on the landscape. We have the Internet. You know, before, you know, when there are uh, financial markets around the world, we wouldn't see the effects for that for quite a period of time. And now with the Internet, something happens as far as global events. It ripples through the financial markets all around the world almost instantaneously. So the of reaction to world events that affect financial markets is changed in the last number of years. We have, you know, the, the trillions of dollars in 401k plans that are people's retirement investments. Notice I didn't say savings, investments. That they're looking forward to those investments paying off but are nervous because if the market goes down is what we experienced, they could lose significant portions of their, of their retirement investment. So, um, you know, the volatility, I think, is going to be a lot greater in the in the years to come. I think uh, the ups and downs are going to be uh, steeper. Um, and I think we're going to be on some bumpy rides here. Um, you know, there's some big financial challenges. We've got Obamacare coming on stream here, 
you know, January of 2014, that's a wild card that never occurred in financial history. We have 10,000 baby boomers, you know, eligible for retirement each and every day for the next 20 years. That's never occurred in all our financial history, and they're going to be accessing their money through their investments in their stock portfolio. So a lot of things that have never happened in our financial history going back to, you know, when income tax came in to 100 years ago in 1913. So I see that there's going to be some real bumps in the road. So what I suggest to, to folks out there is truly understand the risk that you have out there, have access to cash, and really take a, a conservative aspect uh, uh, as far as there's some great opportunities, and if you've got access to cash, there's going to be some great opportunities that where you can benefit from because other people will not have access to yeah, cash. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are some aspects that I uh, kind of throw out there for you to think about. Yeah, that's great. Folks, it's been, I mean, time has flown by. Uh, we are here right buttoned up to the end of the show, and we have barely scratched the surface. So you can bet that we are planning to bring Dwayne back a few more times on the show to talk more uh, about his products and his strategies for financial investment. Uh, Dwayne, as we shut down here, just people, people, if you can just go to please so his site, uh, thefinancialballgame.com, and check out what's going on there. You, you're sure to get his, also his book, and it will give you a whole lot more than you can, you could have heard today. And, uh, Rich, I'll pass it over to you for you to send us home. What do you have to say, sir? Well, what I would say, Zeke, is that we all have to take care of our money, and Dwayne has given us some great opportunities and tips to do so. So once again, it's been an excellent show right here on Motivation with a Purpose, and join us next week for another exciting episode right here on TalkZone.com. 